0: Oh my God. Oh, don't you hate it when you lose your dongle? Scuba Obsessed, the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, to places to a dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed, episode 500. This is recorded live, June twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. Welcome, Flare
1: <laughs> <Fire> of the horns.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to Scoop Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson, coming to you from the Southwest Side. Of the great state of Michigan, we're joining me this week. We have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac?
1: I'm doing pretty good. I was just thinking, you know, what we could have done there is when you had that announcement, we could have had confetti come down all over your head. Oh yeah, yeah. Know, we could, you know, we could do this over you now.
0: Yeah, yeah. We could, we can we do really that. Really make it
1: impressive. Make,
0: yeah. Why? Why start now? <laughs> They'll come to expect it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You got you off topic with didn't
0: I? Nah, well, here, here, Eric and everybody, he's got, you, you can't see it in the chat room. It doesn't show the gif he's got, but he's got your favorite minion doing a party time dance. So, so that's some of the good stuff that happens in the chat room on episode 500. So uh, let's see. I mean, normally I say something about the weather, but we've actually had some pretty amazing weather. But did you get the alert today that we had a flood
1: warning? No, I know, what, was it three days ago, I woke up to the rolling thunder of huge lightning, and then I got up, and I was debating on how much and how many dents I'd have in my car from oh. the hail.
0: See, was, I didn't well, get hail here. Yeah,
1: my,
0: my dad said they had hail, which he's only a couple miles north of me, but and he's more your direction, so he, he had mm-hmm. hail, but we didn't have any out here, which is good for the fruit crops i'm i'm betting yeah but uh it was you know we were they're calling for five to six inches of rain in the next couple days now i don't know if that's really yeah i don't know if that's still going to be current or that was just today you know people doing stuff and then i'm looking so uh what we were talking about before the show is i've been working on getting one of the reasons i took today off is just to find excuse to get things ready as my kids uh, move out onto their next college and apartments, but then also uh, we're trying. I'm trying to get this the lower half of my house really set up for editing and recording. So I attacked the the office, which really, other than during the pandemic when I was working from home, it has, is really doesn't get much use. I I come in here about an hour before the podcast. I do the podcast and then I leave, and that's about all use it gets. So as the time goes on, I was, uh, getting that hoarder path where, you know, stuff that's not upstairs that needs to find a home, finds a home on our 500th episode. Should I do a clutter cam? Cause this is after it's cleaned up. It's still pretty, still needs some, uh, care, but it's looking better. So the background, if you look at the background, let's see if I get both my fingers, not my head, but the background there, um, uh, Instead of the clutter in the darkened room, I've actually got things lit up, so should be a little bit brighter today. Uh, and then I, I've got we'll be doing I'll be doing some more stuff. I've got some charts to hang up. I also got some green screen that will be dropping back there for different purposes. Now this this can you see this black spot there? What is that? Oh, here, there you go. This piece of tape hanging. I was convinced I had something on the wall. <laughs> it was because I've got a I've got a light up there ish. Gosh, it's confusing how it maps things. But there was a there was a light up there, so I've I made like a little shield that shields it, and uh, guess one of the tapes was dangling a little bit. Back to <laughs> dangling again. So. But I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. We have Eric and Derek who have shown up tonight. Uh, I'm I'm sure we'll give everybody else a pass. They're probably doing some sort of diving or pretty busy activity with the with uh, Michigan. This is the first day of being restriction free, other than nursing homes and schools.
1: And schools have graduated, so there's nobody in right. school, right? Other
0: than robotics, which I'm doing. What about I'm
1: summer doing. school? I was gonna say, what about summer school?
0: Summer school's in person in Berrien Springs, so. And they still have to wear masks, which I'm sure is driving everybody in summer school nuts. We're still wearing masks for robotics meeting, even though we don't meet on campus. We follow the school rules. So I would like that to go away because we're we're in a giant building and it's uh, very well ventilated and we're social distancing. But I don't think they're, they're under any, you know, with school being out, I don't think they're going to adjust those requirements. So we'll probably see those sometime in probably end of August.
1: I was curious after the Indianapolis 500 where they did not have social uh, distancing with the thousands upon thousands of people, if there were going to be an increase in COVID, I've not seen any, one would think they'd cover that too. You know, they'd be taking a look at the number of people where they came from Mm -hmm. to see if there's any kind of surge based on that.
0: I think if there had been a surge based on that, we'd have heard a ton the fact there's nothing on it, probably we have to assume that nothing happened.
1: That's when, what, two weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, Memorial
0: Day weekend. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and they had one of the reasons why some of the outdoor stuff got lifted in Michigan early is I believe it was the CDC uh, had come out with a study where they hadn't found any significant number of cases uh, that were being transmitted outside. So that was some of the reason for uh, some of those restrictions being lifted.
1: You ever read The Satan Bug? No, I didn't. That's a good one. Want to get something to give you shivers?
0: Who, who who wrote that? Do you happen to remember? Oh,
1: I can't remember. That's been years I read that. But they're working on a lab, you know, like five stories under the ground with that many layers of security and protection. Of course, it got out.
0: Well, oh, one of mine that scared the crap out of me when I was a young kid was *A dramata strain, know, I was probably <laughs> seven years old or eight when I watched that on TV, and that's what I learned: spacemen are going to bring back bad things.
1: And uh, that could very well be. Yeah.
0: So that was that the the Delta variant. They've one bit of information I heard is that it was India. India is saying, no, no, it's not us. But everybody's afraid of being stigmatized. But it's like, unless you let it out of a lab, who cares? I mean, who cares that it started in, you know, you learn from it, you improve from it. I mean, there's a value in and fi- honestly finding out the location so you can try and prevent it from not happening again.
1: Well, that and intent. Yeah. You always wonder if it was. On purpose,
0: yeah, certainly. So, yeah, so th- this is how we do our five hundredth episode. We we have this first front section, <laughs> which may I, who knows I may edit the whole thing out. I don't know. I'm still editing four ninety nine. I just got four ninety eight up. That one was a little bit of a challenge because I had to do a little bit of editing because the uh, that treasure ship, the Republic, that video got us a copyright strike from YouTube. So I had to do a little bit of jostling. It, it There's really no effect. You can put it out there, just say, get to monetize it. And it's kind of like, damn it, I'm not letting you. I, I did the work. You don't get the money. Uh, so I, I did what we needed to do, get that in. And I think most people aren't going to notice anything significant from that. So before we get into scuba the news, can you believe 500
1: that's 11 years we've been working on this
0: yeah yeah I was I almost called Jim up today and said hey Jim you need to come on but I just like everything else in life you're just so busy too damn busy so but we, we've got some good things coming up I mean we got 500 I can't say I'm gonna do a <laughs> thousand I, I remember when we first started I was thinking we get to it you know, my goal is to get to a hundred. Yeah, I, I said, yeah, we'll do 100. And uh, I I think we made 100. Yeah. Yeah, we, we made it past that. Well, let's go ahead and jump right down into the news. We don't have a whole ton of articles on the queue, but we do have some. So let's go ahead and cover those. And that's not the one we're leading off with. Here is the first one, our favorite topic almost for the last year. It seems like these modern shipwrecks, we can stretch those out for quite a while. The Golden Ray salvage effort includes charge to ballast steel. If the cutting chain continues to struggle with thick masses of steel inside the shipwreck Golden Ray and the St. Simmons sounds, the salvage team will turn into a backup plan that packs a little bit of a punch The plan would include blasting the two-foot-thick section uh, with steel obstacles with a contained and concentrated use of explosives, Unified Command announced Wednesday. The precise term for the product is low-hazard, flexible, linear-shaped charges. The device packs a certain amount of explosive RDX inside a foam casing. The resulting charge delivers precisely aimed blasts that makes precise cuts through the steel obstacles, said U.S. Coast Guard man Michael Hines. TNT salvage received the necessary permitting from the U.S. Army, Army Corps of Engineers to employ such charges. Unified Command announced Wednesday. Use of linear-shaped charges also required uh, NOAA approval. As of now, Salvers continues cutting chain to tear through what is known as Section 3 of the ship. There are no immediate plans to use the charges, he said. The VB-10,000 resumed operations in Section 3 after midnight Wednesday using twin-hulled crane vessels, a system of winches, wires, pulleys, and a cutting chain up through the shipwreck along the designated cutting path. The path has been stymied by thick steel brackets which secure interior decks to steel girders inside the Golden Ray. The fifth cut began May 6, but the VB-10,000 had Ceased cutting May 12th for maintenance due to equipment where wrought by the two-foot-thick steel brackets encountered along the cutting path. Uh, but Those shape charges, those are pretty impressive when you see some of those. I've watched some programs where they've used some of those shape charges. It's, a, it's ridiculous how precise they can be and how far they can go.
1: Yeah. Do you know what RDX stands for? No, I don't. Royal Demolition Explosive. So what, what... One would have thought it would have been more exotic than that. <laughs> well, yeah, I was
0: thinking it should be something a little bit fancier, but so it's just royal. What makes it royal?
1: I don't know. <laughs> it's a white powder. It's very expensive. Uh, I think it's called cy- cyclonite or the other one was hexo- H-E-X-O-G-E-N. I get, my enunciation sucks badly. But shape charges are really the way to go. We had those, God, back in the 70s even. Oh, yeah. Uh, both in the military and when we used to dive. Yeah. Easy way to knock a tree down.
0: Yeah, because wasn't like some of the claymores and stuff were set up in a shape charge configuration?
1: Well, yeah, they're, they're in a little semi u not a not a big U. Right. Projectile. Yeah, as long as you, you made sure that somebody, the sapper didn't come up during the night and turn it around on you. Ooh which they, they tried to do a lot. Oh, yeah. And that will make, you know, it will get your attention. Yeah. And then, if, of course, you got to remember to take the, the stop off before you when you go click, click. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So when you get really anxious and the adrenaline flowing, uh, and you don't want to have a new guy <laughs> because he's going to go click, click, and nothing's happening because the freaking, you know, safety's on. Oh. But anyway, that's, <laughs> we're, we're deviating. Sorry yeah. about that.
0: Yeah, so we'll call this 500 and a half. We'll just continue. <laughs> looking. We'll hit them all. Uh, so let's take a look at this next one. Uh, no OSHA probe of a diver who died in a farm digester. Just dying in a farm digester doesn't sound at all good. Uh, questions have been raised about the diver's equipment. Temperature of the million-gallon tank. Government safety inspectors will not be looking to death last week. The experienced Quad City scuba diver failed to surface from a dive to repair a broken cable at the bottom of a million-gallon anaerobic digester where cattle manure and food waste generated biogas. Bob uh, Ben Zeiger, Jr., 54 of East Moline, died around 10 a.m. June 8th when he was unable to return to the top of the liquid of the tank at the Severs farm, a Family Farm in Stockton according to New Liberty Fire Chief Chad Peterson. As his fiancée was trying to pull him up, there were complications and he didn't service. Scott County Sheriff Captain Joe Caffrey said, for whatever reason, he relayed through the radio communication that he was taking his helmet off, so when she pulled the rope up, his helmet helmet came up. The team of commercial divers from Chicago later recovered his body from inside the tank. The state medical examiner has done an autopsy but has not uh, yet have the results of the cause or the manner of his death. Because he was a self-employed contractor, he was exempt from OSHA inspection, Iowa OSHA Administrator Russell Perry said, and the farm, which had 10 or fewer employees, doesn't fall within a purview of the Worker Safety Agency. Therefore, the investigation will be closed with no further action, Perry said. The incident was originally described as happening in a manure tank, but it was one of the farm's two digester tanks where cow manure and food waste are used to create methane, which generate electricity and heat. Uh, the Severs family farm digester operated since 2013 is one of the four on-farm digester systems in Iowa. The same day uh, the diver died, the governor signed into law a bill that allows on-farm digesters rather than open-air manure pits and animal feeding operations. Owner Brian Seavers did not return a text or call for comments on the death. He told the Gazette in April the temperature of the tanks is maintained between 99 and 105 degrees to encourage bacteria and microorganisms to break down the waste into biogas. There's some questions after the death what the temperature tank was higher when he went into it and filled a scuba gear and an oxygen tank. (laughs) The oxygen tank. Peterson, the fire chief, who was one of the first emergency responders on scene, said the water to the surface of the tank was 120 degrees, which is too hot for commercial diver brought in to recover uh, uh, the diver's body. We are not anticipating that kind of heat. We knew at that point in the time we had to do something different. Peterson, who was also a volunteer with the fire department, called a neighboring fire crew to haul in uh, nearly 10,000 gallons of water from a nearby quarry to cool the tank. After they added the water, the foam at the top of the digester dissipated and divers could see the body floating about several feet of manure. Food waste solids at the bottom of the tank were able to make a recovery. Uh, they said it did not appear that he had on proper gear for diving and liquids contaminated with manure and food waste. It is a contaminated dive, so we use specialized suits with double seals, triple backup air supply and communications. You have to have the right stuff. He didn't have any of that stuff. Uh, Benghazi was an experienced diver, trained in the U.S. Army, who had done commercial dives at offshore oil wells for 20 years, says his mother. More recently, he had completed diving at a nuclear facility on the Mississippi River. He did a lot in the river. If a barge got a rope caught in the prop, he would do that. He'd repair a hole in the barge itself. He had experience doing underwater welding. Uh, his primary job was as an independent <coughs> contractor who installed insulation and in windows and did other minor home repairs. Uh, his fiance, Eliza Bisbee, who had been at the incident when it happened, said he loved golf and anything, water, jet skiing, tubing, just floating and fishing. Hundreds of farmers and farm workers die each year from work-related injuries. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention reported the farm fatality rate is 20 deaths per 100,000 workers. Um, And then they go on, they have some additional details, but not what we're looking for. What what do you think was happening when he said, I'm taking off? I mean, if he said he's taking off his helmet, that meant that he had comms, because she wouldn't have been able to hear that otherwise.
1: Correct. I have not a, a clue. With any kind of experience... Why the hell did he not have a harness safety line? And, you know, why would he even think about taking his helmet off? Yeah. um, We talked about that before. If nothing else and you don't have air, dry drowning is better. It's easier to revive you. Right. I can't imagine trying to revive somebody who's been breathing that kind of mixture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it. And it took him too long to to get. I mean, there was no chance of reviving him. No, especially at that temperature.
1: Uh, but but he had the training to do it the correct way. So I'm really lost why he did that.
0: Wanted to make a quick buck. You know, he acts as an independent diver. You know, he does windows and doors normally, and he's he's got the experience of a commercial diver. So he's you know that's probably paying what four or five times that he would have been made as a day laborer in construction?
1: I would probably think so. Yeah. A couple of times, we'll yeah.
0: depend now, on the job. It'd be nice if they said what they didn't think he had. Because uh, like I would, and I and it's not triple seals, but I would think you'd want, like I've got a Viking. I mean, um, you, know, and that, you know, that's got a hood. And then if you did a full face mask, you could conceivably have no skin coming in contact with water now it's not triple seals Uh, wouldn't he have checked to see i mean wouldn't that been his responsibility for the temperature
1: if he's been doing nuclear work the biggest hassle in nuclear work is the temperature you're diving in the spin fuel pit or the transfer canal it's it's warm the water's warm you've got to have some kind of cooling system when we started, we didn't do it the first time. Then you realize, well, let's put an ice vest on. And then we started chilling the air. And there's a lot of different ways we learned to get the heat out. So, I mean, you had, the visibility is good. Unless you hit a hot particle, you're not going to get the zoomies. I got less than my tender did. So with that kind of stuff, though, you're going to have a good suit, double seals on your exhaust valve of your helmet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're not diving in that in a full phase. You're talking helmet. I, there's no way in heck I would go into a sewage thing without a full you know, a helmet and a good neck dam. I just don't understand, like you said, why he said he's taking his helmet off. That, that just does not make any sense.
0: Well, when I hear somebody saying they're taking their helmet off, that implies that there is something... Now, maybe he's he was more experienced than what I'm giving him credit for, but that just sounds like uh, somebody panicking.
1: Well, 99 to 105 degrees, you got no business down there in, a, in that kind of environment if you don't have proper cooling. When we dove, 80, 85. You tried not to do anything past that. I mean, it's not that freaking critical. You know, you, know, you can fix it later. Get the temperature down and make sure you've got a cooling system. So I can't believe he's in a, well, how about yourself? Would you put on your dry suit just the way it is on the boat in the summer day? How are you going to feel?
0: You'll be roasting. I yeah, mean, can, that's in the can sun. Can you
1: imagine getting into 105 degree water to cool off?
0: No, no, you're not. You're not cooling off in that that temperature. That's, uh, and that, that's not drowning is like the last way I want to go, which is kind of crazy thinking I'm a scuba diver, but, uh, I'm doing everything not to drown. I don't have superpowers. I can't breathe water. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so be careful out there. I mean, and he had the training. Just think of what somebody without training and then, and you only had and one it goes,
1: person with them.
0: Well, and I mean, how I mean, how much training did she have?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and
0: and was that the instructions? I mean, if he didn't like, if he wasn't had a harness, and say he had a legitimate reason to take, why would you take? Who? What legitimate reason? You come up, you know, you know. I can't, I can't think of taking the helmet off in sewage. It's ever no. a good reason, and that's why I keep going back to thinking that uh, there, there was there's something else going on. So
1: Yeah. Well I mean it's it's ambiguous. And she pulled the rope and the helmet came up. Where the hell was the rope? Well, <laughs> you know, what was it hooked to?
0: Well and I'm wondering if she pulled the rope or did she pull the I mean was he doing surface applied air?
1: Well it said scuba. That sounds like tank to me.
0: Yeah, but they also said oxygen. <laughs> so uh and I'm sure he wasn't I mean would you breathe hundred percent oxygen in the in a sh- tank dive? I wouldn't think so. Live streaming is hard. And I've, I've been watching some other people do live streams. And it makes me feel like I know what I'm doing because, you know, people with one one person I follow has a million subscribers. He doesn't normally do live streams, but he did. He's been doing live streams the last couple weeks and he's had the same problems I had <laughs> that we have. So this is not unique to us. Uh, you know, Without hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gear, we're gonna run into this, which kind of explains well, while we're here talking about this, why we have the workflow that we do, which is we do the live stream, and if everybody who's in the live stream can give it a like, that, that helps the YouTube algorithm let people know that there's more of that and then if you can come back and later when I post a live one which is usually it can be as short as a day it can be as long as a week but even if you've already seen it if you can watch try and watch 10 to 15 minutes at least and give it a thumbs up uh, that helps us immensely because YouTube's not gonna do it up and and that's that's not you know we're not doing this for YouTube we don't make money off the YouTube you have to have a thousand uh, subscribers and be doing ads. And, you know, that's, that's not our, our business model for this. Uh, I mean, our supporters are through Patreon. It's direct support. Uh, you're our producers, you're not our product. So we're not making money off selling who you are, but uh, it does help. We're trying to get the message out. So, uh, maybe this is a good point of the program to talk about, you know, how you can support the program. Normally I do it at the end, but we'll do it here in the middle. Um, you can support us by going over to Patreon. In Patreon, if you can, if you're enjoying the program, uh, three dollars or more gets you early access to the show notes. Any amount is appreciated. If you can't do that, we certainly understand. Uh, tell a friend about the program. Go into your. Uh, platform of preference, you know, if that's YouTube, if that's, uh, Android, Stitcher, Shopify, not Shopify. I said Shopify. So I do during the day. Uh, <laughs> if Spotify, there's too many of these five stuff, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, iTunes, even, uh, you know, give us an honest rating. Hopefully it's uh, as many stars as they will allow. But, uh, if you, do some sort of comment about how you like the show that does get us more subscribers and there's a certain percentage of subscribers and it is about uh, one subscriber for every thousand who listen to the program actually are Patreon sponsors. So there's a lot of people who got to get to listen to the show to get it to go and, and do things and improve the, the program, which hopefully you agree that we are improving it. Uh, we're going to start doing some guest spots and, uh, just today, uh, they are migrating our hosting for the episodes from our legacy platform to the new one. Uh, I was supposed they started at 9am, so I can't upload any new episodes till they're completed. Um, I was thinking to be done by now, but when we started recording, they still hadn't got done. So as with anything technology, there's always a little bit of a hiccup, uh, and then we're going to, I'm. as soon as that's done, and it might be maybe tomorrow, I am going to start redoing the website and getting that up to snuff. And then I'm also going to do some other things. So watch out, subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm going to do some uh, kind of like an open source engineering community thing. And the first one is going to be an open source uh, tethered camera because we want to do some live streaming of dives underwater and at least at this point i'm playing at being a tethered camera so that'll be something that will be open sourcing making it available to everybody Uh, so if you have a scuba diving podcast or another item i mean it could even be a really think of it as a drop cam that you carry with you is really what we're going to be doing Uh, but it's going to be something that's capable of 4k streaming and some other stuff So let's do the next article. Let's see. What do I've got? Uh, is this really the next one? Scuba divers rescued by ferry crews near Edmonds Terminal. Three scuba divers were rescued by a ferry crew near Edmonds Terminal late Friday night, Washington State Ferry confirmed. A crew member from the MV Walla Walla noticed a scuba diver drifting under the Edmonds Ferry dock around 11.45 p.m. Wow, that's kind of they were doing, a night dive then. Uh, the diver was being pulled by the tide, struggling to get back to the shore. Crews launched a rescue boat and found the other divers in the water struggling as well. The crew rescued two divers within the boat, and the third was floating, uh, thrown a life ring from the ferry. The fourth diver is able to make it back to shore without assistance. The South County Fire gave divers medical attention once rescued. That could be scary. At night,
1: 1145 at night, in strong current? I wouldn't like that at all
0: so it, it almost tells me that they didn't they weren't paying attention to tides because most divers especially you know Washington you know, that that's going to have a, a high tidal flow there uh, so you're going to have incoming tides slack tide and then outgoing tide so you know maybe they lost track of time they were in water longer than they thought they didn't they looked at the wrong table I don't know what they did but that is not a good time. To be I there don't in the believe water. that
1: you're going to see anybody at 11:45. Must have spotted lights or strobe.
0: Well, if you were planning on a night dive, because some people like to go, uh, you know, do octopus dives. Would you do those at night? Are those?
1: Well, well, we do night dives, but I mean, I usually have a tank light on the tank. Yeah. So all the people can see me. I have a light that I have myself. I've got my flag, which means I got a strobe or a light on it. So I'm just curious. I don't know how they do their drift dives in that area.
0: No, I'm not sure.
1: Especially around uh, a shipping area.
0: Well, and then when they show the photo of the vessel, let me pull that back up here. That's a pretty darn big thing. Yeah. So this is this is the vessel that went and picked them up. And they sent so out.
1: How did they see them? Where where were they at to
0: see the dive? Well, I mean, you look there. They got a high bridge. So you've got a great vantage point, but unless they were running with lights, yeah, you know, maybe they had some lights on them. Well, and, if
1: you're under the ferry dock, how in the heck did they see them? I
0: don't know. Or maybe they had gotten to the ferry dock. Is that possible that they were at the ferry dock and then noticed divers struggling along the dock?
1: Or the people on the, the walkway yeah. securing the lines for the... I don't know if there's a, a lot of the information they didn't give us, but...
0: Yeah, it says the crews launched Coast. a rescue boat and found other divers in the water struggling as well. So yeah. that was the boat that they were on, uh, but that wasn't the boat that went and rescued them. So I'm I'm guessing they had to have gotten to the dock and then it just had to. I mean, that's all that seems practical because you look at how high they are, and unless you're doing some sort of distress signal and flashing the, you know, the the lights. Cause that there's got to be a lot of other lights. Cause these docks, especially a ferry, you're you've got lights on it. So yeah, it's gonna be hard to even with lights in the water to see it. So it's it's you know good for them to to spot them. They lucked up. Yeah.
1: Like to hear there after uh, dive briefing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I the first words would be we ain't doing that again.
0: Uh, I think that's probably yeah yeah that's it. You just yeah. Let's learn from it and not do that.
1: I'd love to hear their their version of it.
0: So, you know, this is good to know, especially if you're a cabin boy. British (laughs) ministers are claiming technology makes marine time cannibalism obsolete. So of all the things to be made obsolete, I'm thinking cannibalism is one that you may want to. And, uh... They're saying that uh, the main beneficiaries of these are cabin boys. The British government ministers has claimed that cannibalism on the high seas should be a thing. Uh, high seas should be a thing of the past, as modern navigation and safety technology has made it very unlikely sailors will find themselves in circumstances where they want to eat each other. And we're talking uh, PG rating, not other ratings. So this hopeful statement came from a debate in the House of Lords on human rights at sea when uh, Baron Mackenzie of Farmingwell Gate stood to ask the question of Charlotte Bergeness V. of Norbiton, the conservative government's parliamentary undersecretary of the state for transportation. The debate began when Baroness Vera, Answering questions about the government's policy regarding many merchant sailors worldwide who found themselves stuck in vessels thousands of miles from home, sometimes without pay or current conditions due to the effects of the COVID pandemic. Baron Mackenzie then somewhat derailed the, this worthy converse, discussion by referring to the case of R.V. Dudley and Stephens, a famous criminal case in British law from 1884, which concerned a pair of shipwrecked sailors stranded in a lifeboat with an ailing cabin boy who decided to kill and eat him to save themselves from starving. Which you would normally do, of course. The Lord's, I recall, as a young student of law many years ago, the late 19th century case, R.V. Dudley's Stepsons Mackenzie Ben began, and a succumbing to the uh, Revere about distant, happier times. (laughs) He continued. (laughs) This involved a shipwreck that caused a number of sailors to take to a lifeboat. As a result of hunger and thirst, they alleged that it was necessary to kill and eat the young cabin boy. Why am I laughing? (laughs) Just in order to survive. The common law uh, defense of uh, necessity succeeded at their trial, but was reversed on appeal. Does the minister think that if the facts were repeated today, the cabin boy's human rights to life would still triumph those of the starving crew? (laughs) Uh, The tone of Baroness. Vera's uh, response contained an element of alarm in the unexpected dark turn of the debate had taken and certainly showed a little of Mackenzie's affectionate reverence for the important but ancient pillars of common law. Oh, my lords, with modern standards of lifeboat and search and rescue, I would very much hope that such a situation would not arise today. The shipwrecked seafarers would be rescued long before any decision would be, need to be taken on who to eat. Modern-day search and rescue services are equipped with an astonishing range of technologies that aid both in alerting and rescuing service that there's an issue in the locating of persons in distress or potential distress. The debate then moved on to Baroness Ver's uh, presumed relief when Lord Berkeley asked about the government's policy and Mariner's rights to broadband internet while on the boarding ship. So they went from cannibalism to internet.
1: in a blink of an eye
0: uh gosh if you haven't had a chance to watch uh you know some of the british parliamentary things it is quite entertaining and it's amazing how another democracy english speaking can be so different from ours because if you if you they they tend to be rowdier i think there's a lot of harumphing and uh uh, yelling at each other and grandstanding, which almost makes me say that, you know, the more boisterous you are, the less, you know, it's like, you know, the the dog with the biggest bark has the smallest teeth type of situation. How could we not cover it when you talked about cannibalism? Uh, the yacht was crushed. Okay, so here's a little bit more details down below. Despite the difficult conditions, however, it's unlikely anyone is going to need to draw lots aside how who to eat and starvation. The case of R.V. Dudley and Steffens occurred when a four-man scratch crew attempted to sail a newly purchased 52-foot yacht from uh, Miganet, which was designed mainly for inshore use, over 15,000 miles from Southampton, UK, to Sydney and Australia for its new Australian owner. The yacht was crushed by a wave in the middle of the South Atlantic, and the four-man crew was forced to take a 13-foot lifeboat with no fresh water and only two tins of turnips to sustain them. Now, this is in the 1800s, but I'm thinking turnips is not the primary item I would want tins. After 19 days without rescue and with the cabin boy, 17th old Richard Parker, said to have been in a coma after drinking seawater, Captain Tom Dudley and mate Edwin Stevens decide to kill and eat him. Five days later, the lifeboat was rescued by German ship Montezuma, which is kind of a telling name in itself, and three remaining crew of the... Migot that were returned to Falmouth Falmouth <coughs> Falmouth in the UK where they were arrested and charged with murder. Despite claiming they had been abiding by an established custom of the sea and having considerable public support, Dudley and Stevens were found guilty of murder and sentenced to death. The case established a precedent in common law that necess- necessity was not a defense for murder. But this having been established a sense of two men was then commuted to six-month imprisonment and both were later released. And then they're basically saying that that's impossible to happen today because of technology.
1: Yeah, you believe that?
0: No, not in that one bit. Tec- Absolutely not. Te- technology. You can still get lost and people not find you.
1: Absolutely. And besides, I think he went overboard and drowned, is my understanding. <clears throat> Why would you have told somebody you ate the other guy? Why wouldn't you say he drowned and we threw him overboard? I
0: I don't know. I, yeah. Maybe they weren't pes- as pessimistic as we are, or they thought they were in the right. But yeah, what? so the moral of the story is if you eat somebody, you kind of have to... Pretend it didn't happen. I don't know what happened to him. He wasn't in the boat when we got there.
1: That's what I'm saying.
0: Ignore that big chicken leg <laughs> in the fire.
1: That's just a, a drumstick, there.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, what if they now, if they had waited for him to die in another day or two, would it have been the same issue? No, because then he was dead. Yeah. Right. I mean like those um uh, soccer players, wasn't it? Yeah. In that aviation disaster down in South America. Yeah. And they partake uh, wh- wh- uh, partook of the crew. They didn't kill anybody, they just ate the bodies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean survival. I mean the yeah. the whole the moral of the story here is you've got to survive. Now yeah. um I mean, the I mean, issue
1: is killing him for that well, as well. So and then eating them.
0: So so let's say it was they were all equally alive. You know, he hadn't drank the water. He wasn't in a coma. He was just there. I mean, the two big guys go look at the little guy and go, you know what? I think I can take him. That, I think, would definitely be murder. Because you just – it you, but I, I'm not going to say that, you know – if you're hungry enough and other things that you wouldn't do it. Cause I mean, you can be innocent and dead or you can be guilty and alive. So I think there's a whole bunch of people who say they don't want to be in the dive boat with me now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's well, just <laughs> I, I take a look at
1: you myself. You of the divers in the club and we can live a long time on you. <laughs> well, you could, but I,
0: I think I can, I can outlast you. I mean, I, I think the skinny guy's going first.
1: Well, that, that means if you're looking for natural <laughs> causes. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> now I can't run as fast probably as the uh, skinny guy. So whether it's me chasing him or him chasing me, I, I think yeah. I, I come out in the losing side of that.
1: So. But it does. It, the other aspect of this it does bring up the aspect they were talking about: two hundred thousand sailors on stranded ships don't have a way to get home, not getting paid a lot of times because of COVID. Well, yeah, and that's that, a heck of a problem.
0: Well, and that was a that's a, that's a side thing, and that's just yeah. there are some laws and rules that are just pretty rough. Because I've I have seen well, I don't say I have personally seen it, but I've read on it just this last year where there's a vessel, it's been contracted to deliver something to a port. Uh, When you get to the port, they're saying you came from company X last and they've got the COVID. Uh, We're not letting you in. And then that
1: happened out on on California coast. Yeah, Those those ships are out there for weeks before they could come in. If at all, I don't know how they resolve that.
0: Well, there were some ships that were going uh, port to port to port and weren't being let in, and you know you're you're on a contract for a specific amount of time, and the contract gets done, and then I read something, and this is completely a squirrel moment, but there was a vessel that was pretty much a. Abandoned and there was some law of the sea that somebody had to stay on. So they had somebody who had been the court of the country had dictated that this gentleman who was just like a, a lower crew member had to stay in the boat. He was on the boat for years. I need to find that if I come across it. We'll we'll cover that in another podcast. But that was a kind of a crazy moment there. So how about beer? Treasure inside beer lost in a shipwrecks 120 years ago. And this is one you were talking about before
1: right.
0: we got on it. And those bottles, I agree with you. Those are not as old a bottles as those look newer than 120 years ago.
1: Yeah, they look they look crown tops. They don't look like glob tops by any stretch. But I was looking at the bottom of them. And the the, the pommel markings or the, the way you can look at them look like wine bottles.
0: Yeah cuz you could see them and I don't I don't think let me see I don't think can I make can I do interact here
1: and I don't see any corks do you
0: No I'm not seeing any <clears throat> any corks this almost looks like they're they're empties with, Yeah And I don't know if this is clip art and that somebody just kind of grabbed this but it's in they would not be stacked like this. Would you think? Cause they would normally, you wouldn't transport bottles all loose in a hold. You would have them in some sort of crater container. I would think, I don't know how, if it,
1: ro- if it rotated upside down.
0: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if it just, if you know, it's a bad day, a, a super bad day, then yeah, that's, it's going to be that way. So as, uh, so long forgotten yeast strains are being sought out from shipwrecks, abandoned breweries and other locations that hope that they could be put to good use if resurrected. And I'm not going to read this article. It's going to be in the show notes. Uh, you can go through it. So there's a nice bottle there. I mean, that's a, that would be a corker, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. that Now that's not like a crown top. The other ones definitely look like crown tops.
0: Yeah. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm seeing some see crown bottom. tops, and I'm also seeing some almost like a twist tops.
1: Yeah, and if you look at the bottom of the bottle there, it's that hit something, so that rotated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the article goes on that they're looking for yeast, and there's different type of yeast, and they go into a bunch of uh, foreign names that I can't pronounce. Now, look at that seal on there. That says glass. Now, color. yeah,
1: I'm looking at that. I went down and saw that bottle.
0: Yeah, and, that's, and interesting. that's interesting. And you can see that was almost like a champagne where you can see the, it's kind of got that uh, wire, you know, there's like when it, in a champagne where you, you take the foil off and then mm-hmm. you've got that nest of wire that's holding the top on. And I wouldn't think that you'd be using that for beer. But, I mean, I, I'm by no means an expert of 17th century <clears throat> beers either. Huh. Yeah. So, uh, but they're talking about different cultures of yeast that they've got, and they were kind of surprised in some of the results. Um, and there's about somebody filling some beer. Uh, yeah.
1: That was interesting. I looked the ship up. Interesting looking vessel, mm-hmm. and it has some. Um, I, I went to Scottish shipwrecks. To take a look at it um have some different pictures of both the boat and on the bottom and some of the other material they got off of it and she's only 30 meters down
0: only 30 meters wow
1: yeah the wreck of the the the, the wreck upright on the muddy sea bottom at 34 meters or bow point approximately north average depth over the wreck is 30 meters yeah and they I talked a gash on the collision Uh, On the starboard bow was clearly visible, a large fishing net entangled in part of the wreck. And you don't want to get tangled in it if you're diving, they talked about. It said it had three holes, each of which is deep with silt, although some interesting items or cargo have been recovered from these holes. The remains of the foremast lie across the middle hole. The bridge, the raised bridge deck, housed the captain's quarters, provided access to the engine and boiler rooms. The funnel has disappeared, but provides an interesting entry to the engine room as it's possible to swim down through the remains of the funnel and aft below deck level. Uh, the rear deck had three more holes after the engine room. Lie the remains of the cargo of stannous chloride in earthware jars. Each jar carries the inscription Richard Smith acid maker, Glasgow. Which tells me I would not be opening that one in my car or around my body. No. <laughs> uh, the corks are inscribed with the name of the maker, E.C. Edwards, Edwins. Uh, the covered sternhouses, the emergency sleeping gear, toilet, and store. Wreck uh, lies close to Westmas Bay and the ferry route. So good boat cover with a clearly A flag, the alpha flag if you're going to be diving it, So it sounds like people have been diving that for a while.
0: Yeah. So they they had they still had some bottles that were sealed up enough that they could get some samples out of it then. Yeah. So people have been on that for quite a bit. So I don't know if that was just saying how many bottles there were or people are fairly respectful of the contents.
1: Well, I'm looking in a different part of that where they had some other bottles they brought up divers brought it up um the seals are really oh wow <laughs> uh, <laughs> i just saw some other bottles pretty neat tall neck ones uh-huh. look like more than beer Looked like liquor uh, the coloration a couple of these bottles the liquid is clear not clear but there's no particulate in it uh the level is right at the shoulder of the bottle the seal on this one is absolutely good so yeah you might be tempted to want to drink some of that stuff
0: uh, yeah maybe <laughs> everything's good till you smell it and it smells like sewer water that would that would be that would be a yeah i i I'll talk a big game, but I don't know if i'm I'm drinking that
1: thats an interesting wreck,
0: yeah. Well, Mac, remind me. I'll send I... you
1: the, send a little item. Let's see here real quick. I, I did a little send to whoever can see that. Yeah. Well, that was a hell of a big note. That's where I was looking a minute ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Had diver pictures on it and all that. It is encrusted with tons and tons of, look like coral, algae, uh, seaweed, and that was a little dark. And most of the pictures I saw of the divers, they were wearing doubles.
0: Ah, so you said it was only thirty feet, or is it thirty meters?
1: Thirty meters.
0: So thirty meters. You're, you're. I mean, you're still in recreational range, but you don't have oh, a yeah. lot of bottom time. Well, so you're gonna want to have either rebreathers and some mi- mixed gas, or, uh, you know, doubles. Because you're going to have some deco if you're down there much more than a few minutes.
1: Well, how about this? I do know if, if the muddies were down there, there would be a lot less bottles. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee you that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'd have a bottle just like this one. Um,
1: so how about for
0: our last one? And I think we've covered this before. This is some in the potentially cool scuba gear area. iBubble automated marine drone follows and films a divers every move. Uh, the iBubble is made by French startup, startup Natolio Plus and promises trials divers, trail divers, promises to trail divers as they inspect marine life, come snorkel to nose with a fish, I pursue work restoring damaged coral. Just this week, Australian ecotourism operator Passions for Paradise announced that it is using iBubble drones to capture essential data about the evolving state of the Great Barrier Reef section, its divers, and working to restore. Video and photog- photos are of the area surveyed are part of reporting requirements, thus allow us to complete recordable recording of the activities that we can edit into an exciting social media content. We log the data, of the corals, the marine life we see during the surveys, so that changes in reef conditions are reported immediately. Now you don't need a drone for that. The divers could have cameras themselves, uh, or drop cameras. Right, a drop camera. The Eye Bubble also marked for consumer use through a twenty-nine nine nine per unit. Prospective clients would need to be ardent scuba snorkelers or scuba fans to get their money's worth. Three thousand dollars for somebody to take photos of you? How, how many dives would you have to do to get that to a reasonable amount? You could hire a photographer to travel with you. Most people don't dive that often, so I'm kind of wondering who who is this for? At three thousand dollars, once in the water, the eye bubble trails the divers automatically using radio feed from a smart bracelet, the wrist straps, and contain controllers. Because I was. I know that through what I've done with artificial intelligence and vision that you certainly could do that but I was thinking once you get to low vis you know drones going I don't see you. I can't figure out where you are uh, but it sounds like they're doing a radio frequency for it to, to go on it follow. you can set it to do <coughs> commands of follow 360 zoom in and out change it's seven filming modes it's internal sonar device picks up sounding obstacles to prevent collisions can descend to a maximum depth of 196 feet so that's at about 80 meters, 90 meters there. Uh, battery f- is life is about 90 minutes, which the eye bubble automatically floats to the surface. An LED light facilitates locati- location if it drifts off. Batteries are designed to be easily replaced for extended outings. A tether option allows a drone to be piloted from the surface while feeding video back to controller. Now that would be interesting because I could see a need for that. You know, we talked about doing live uh at the beginning of the show that's kind of what I'm I'm looking to do. Yeah, you know, the first version will be just a static camera that a diver would either mount on them or carry with them. But I could see the value of having a drone that would do it.
1: Um, yeah, I just went to the iBubble site. I was looking both at the tethered one with the wire and how mm-hmm. you can eyeball it with your iPhone.
0: Yeah. In the past five months, we've done 60 surveys, almost 200 hours of research, planted more than 700 pieces of coral. In the future, we hope to use it to analyze coral growth and locate reefs. See, he's talking about, it, it's trying to do two things, but it's more expensive than what you would need to do either thing. You either do a drop camera, a camera a diver has, or a drone, and you can all, and you can get separate devices for those that are all less than $3,000. Now, a... Commercial drone could be more than this, but most of the ones that just do what you need to do could handle it. So, yeah, this is from a website called Drone DJ. I don't know if they're making any money on it. We've, we've, I know we've covered this one before. So, see, is this video going to be compelling enough to get somebody to? to buy this it says first to underwater autonomous which you know it's not uh, see so I'm trying to think if you have it I mean is it oh, so you've got a remote so you must be able to change the settings on the remote because that's what I was also wondering is if you if you had all those modes do you have to do it in advance, but that there must be—it must have enough of a picking up a signal to be able to change that out. So, okay.
1: I was thinking of another application. Yeah. One is you could uh, actually video yourself as an instructor or a, a good buddy with another dive partner, mentoring. Yeah. And then let them after they they did the dive come back to surfers, explain to you how they felt the dive went, and then critique it using the video. A lot of times now they're talking about don't touch the bottom, don't stir up the bottom with your knees or your fins, don't touch anything. Use that for a critiquing tool.
0: Well, I think for a critiquing tool, I also could see if you're doing, if I'm going to sell a resort course, where you're going to come down to some name, your tropical location, and you're going to go zero to certified in the course of a week. I would think that you could charge more for your overall training if you included this edited video of the dives. Well, it's like
1: every time time you do a tandem dive, if you're only going to do one, you get a video.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're talking about uh, for aviation. Well, yeah, diving. but
1: then it applies to that. If you're going to do something very infrequently, having a picture like that, you're going to sell it to some people. Especially my first dive. Yeah, yeah, I
0: I, I think there's a there's a case for that that you've got to, to be creative in you know three thousand dollars for a commercial operation who's who's clearing way more than that. I mean, you know, at work, you know, we we talk about adding features, but if people won't pay for the feature, then it's you know, either has to get you business you wouldn't have had or they're willing to pay more for it. So if you can't do yeah. either of those, it's hard to justify it. But, yeah. I mean, it, I'd certainly want one, but there's a lot of things I'm going to spend $3,000 on before it would be that.
1: Yeah. Well, well since you're basically out of items, yep, that, I'm going to take you back a little bit. Okay. Remember when we were talking about that uh, lawsuit of uh, – Linda Rose Mills back from November the 1st in Montana when she got, she drowned. Yeah. Uh, The parents were suing for $12 million. Yes. Well, I've been trying to keep up on that just for the heck of it. And I'm going to send you a link real quick. Okay. Bingo. Right there. The attorney general won't file charges in the Glacier Park scuba accident. Now, if I were the guy, I'd be glad to see this. And here's the, Uh, the verbiage uh the u.s attorney uh, attorney's office of montana has declined to press criminal charges against the dive instructor who was involved in an incident where miss missoula woman drowned at glacier national park lake mcdonald Uh, rose mill 18 was with a group near the dock at lake mcdonald lodge when mills ran into problems and drowned on june 10th 2021 The U.S. Attorney General's office informed the National Park Service, Special Agent Curtis, who investigated the case, they would not prosecute the dive instructor, Deborah Snow of Missoula, for criminal endangerment in the matter. As we discussed, it appears Snow was negligent, perhaps grossly so, in several respects. But specifically, the investigation indicated Snow did not ensure Mills had a functional dry suit, with appropriately placed weights. She failed to continually supervise Mills during the dive, the letter states. However, Snow's negligence does not rise to the point of being criminal. Snow reported she had, uh, let's see here. Snow reported she had no specific concern about Mills being able to successfully complete the dive and Snow still did not know what had gone wrong. Med- medical examiner conducted Mills autopsy, determined she died due to asphyxia by drowning. The witness statements and the video from the incident shed some light on the events of the drowning, but we cannot establish that it was Snow's knowing conduct that caused her death. Accordingly, we're declining criminal prosecution of Deborah Snow, letter signed by the U.S. Attorney General, blah, blah, blah. Well, in one aspect, if you're being sued and then this comes up, I wonder how that's going to affect the other part of the lawsuit.
0: Yeah. So the crux of the matter lies in the dry suit itself. The suit claims because it didn't have a power inflator, which would have allowed Mills to inflate the suit as she descended into water. She also didn't have a proper weight belt. Instead, they put weight in her pockets. The, The question to me, knowing a little bit about diving, is did she have enough dumpable weight to counter? I mean, if you put four pounds in somebody's pockets... But they can dump the rest of their weight and they're going to be buoyant without with the four pounds in their pockets then that's with the bc
1: inflated absolutely right the key item they said 44 pounds of weights that could not be released i would be curious about why you could not release them from your bc i know of no bc we currently use that does not have dumpable weights, well, and you're not going to put 44 pounds in the pockets. No,
0: if you, if you think of of what, you know, I, I've like a, my when I dive uh, in a wetsuit with a dive belt, you know, a 10 pound weight's pretty big, and if you picture four of those, I mean that that's a lot. You 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 can't just tuck those in pockets. Those those have to have a. Could you put 44? I don't know my BC. Because I've got pockets in the front of the BC that are droppable. And then I got two droppable in the back. I think I would have to really work to get 44 pounds in that BC. That might be something to try out just to see if you could do it. Because it may be. I mean, I I have...
1: I can get 44 pounds in mine, but I start dumping my two pouches. You know, that's 20 pounds going right off the bat. Yeah. And my BC will pull me up. I got yeah. a 45-pound BC. Yeah.
0: Did they say how big she was? I'm trying to think of why she needed bit I'm looking at the picture. Pounds. She's
1: She does not well, dry suit. Yeah, I mean, when if you've got... Up, a, they load you down.
0: Yeah, if you've got a lot of uh, undergarment, you know, a really high fluff loft, is that what they call that, where you've got all the insulation, then yeah, I could see it. Yeah.
1: Again, don't you have to say the lady... With five dives, has some responsibility for herself.
0: Yeah. So she only, did they say that she only had five dives? Yeah. Because I, I, when we did it before, I thought they were implying that she had more than that. But I guess if you just. Well,
1: she would have had to if she did open water to begin with.
0: Yeah. Because yeah, you're going to get your open water. And she was in advance. But then she also sounded like she had done some tropical dives.
1: Yeah. My understanding is she did three tropical dives.
0: Okay. So let's see. Open water. I guess could you? Can you get maybe two dives in for open water, and then three in tropical? Yeah. Um. Yeah. As an instructor, you're hovering around somebody with five dives.
1: Yeah. I'm. I'm thinking. We do. We we don't have anybody with five dives. (laughs) Well, even with more, we mother those suckers.
0: We are, and we are not instructors. We are not dive instructors, but until you get, I'm, you know, 20 is still extremely green. 50 is, you're still a rookie, but you're getting there until you get over a hundred. And it's the quality of dives. There are some people you see, like my, my dive buddy, Jim Kleeman, he, he was twice the diver in half the dives that I was. It ta- It took me a little longer. Just to get the muscle memory to figure things out, the task load, the everything, and he just had—he was just a natural at it, and I wasn't so much. I mean, at ten dives, I was kind of even thinking, "Man, eh, is this something I want to keep doing?" But he was really into it.
1: i, I don't understand in the recovery effort. They said uh, Snow dove after Miles, found her in 127 feet of water, and had to remove. The teens, air tanks, and other weights to bring her to the surface. Well, move the air
0: tanks. Why?
1: If the air, you know, does that mean they move the BC? Because that's connected to your tank.
0: Yeah, I, that doesn't. That in its in itself. I mean, I would certainly. I mean, if if I was benevolent dictator and judge. Uh, not U.S. Judge, but my own fantasy universe where I'm all-powerful. Uh, I, I am certainly going to give it to the instructor to find out what the heck they were thinking and doing because there's a lot of stuff that doesn't ring 100% right. But you also have responsibility as a diver, even with only five dives, to, to save yourself. But that would certainly be a question I'd be asking is, so to get her up, you had to remove her B.C.? you couldn't dump the weight cuz that that would be telling if they said well no because the how the weight was on there we couldn't get cuz the the thing the thing in there and if i was the prosecuting attorney uh i would certainly want to know can w- was it following best practices and could you dump all the weight you had to be positively buoyant and i'd
1: if, also be curious did she inflate the bc was it functional yes because that would have been my first thing. I'm going down, you know, inflate your BC. You're coming up.
0: Yeah, the yeah the the dive suit not having an inflator on isn't the reason you can't be buoyant. Because it's it's gonna be painful. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's not most comfortable. It's not the best insulating, but uh, and the thing is that this gives cold water diving kind of a bad rep, If this is all people think about it is, hey, this. Because, yeah, because she did have her open water, and at open water, you're, you're allowed to make your own decisions. Yeah, you know, the advance is just to get you some more experience.
1: I'd like to see the video.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if the jury's going to see the video.
1: I would imagine they would. I mean, because my first question would be: Is did the inflator work? Or did the BC work? Could you see and obviously with five dives you're gonna know how that works.
0: Was was a diver trying to do things in the proper spots of when they should have been doing it? Or is this something where early on they panicked? What should all be I say should be visible, we don't know. This sounds like it was a action camera mounted on the another diver's rig. So you may only be seeing very close up spots.
1: Yeah. Well, it said Mills did her first successful dive to 15 feet. We heard about that one. The buddy, one of the other individuals got cold. They got out. And then she went down to 60 feet, and that's when she started having issues. So I'm curious how that first dive to 15 feet went. Because that's where you're going to realize, am I heavy? Can I get back up? Mm -hmm. Did your BC work? That kind of stuff. But I'm going to see where this takes us, because I I just want to see how this resolves itself. Not resolves, but what really happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah. the chat room is saying if the BC had to be removed, as it didn't have the lift to bring her back, then there's a very big problem for the instructors. And I would agree with that. I mean.
1: If the BC had to be removed, wouldn't you think you could remove the weights first?
0: Well and is the well right I would think so cuz even if the weights weren't droppable taking the weights out would allow you to inflate it or you is is inflate
1: this, it with it
0: would there be another reason cuz at this point the person's has expired and did they say what's the time between when they recovered the body and the incident
1: it was a second dive Second, I had to go down to find her.
0: Second dive. So at that point, there's no hope of really bringing her back. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I don't know if it was just did he do that because it was easier to maneuver her, and that the it's the attorneys who are saying well, she couldn't get up with the stuff on.
1: If you you inflated the BC, wouldn't that be easier to move the person?
0: I would think so. It's almost like a dive bag, uh, a lift (laughs) bag.
1: Can you imagine bringing somebody up with no gear and a dry suit by yourself?
0: No, you're right. I I would rather take them up in the inflated BC.
1: I'm I'm just saying, let's say the BC didn't work. You would have a chore, wouldn't you? Because you're going to be bringing yourself up plus another 100 pounds plus, plus 44 pounds of lead. How how did your BC work?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All speculative. It'd be interesting to see where this goes. Yep. I will try to track it because i am interested in that
0: so that does it for scuba in the news for not having many articles we were able to make that last a little bit so <laughs> but it's 500 again we'll bring that up again we'll i, I should have i should have had a uh you know those little zingers and a cowbell and everything else but
1: Woohoo! yeah
0: and confetti' we'll, we'll make this we'll do a virtual 500 when we we do something i'd I was thinking by this time, damn pandemic, uh, that we would do like a live location event, something like those, something like that. So diving, I, I did not get any diving, but I have been seeing that the Mud Club has been very active in the Facebook. I'm, I'm not on Facebook that much, but when I do come in, there's a lot of activity. I'm seeing a lot of new divers. Is that something you're seeing as well?
1: I'm seeing a lot of divers in from Michigan Ask about where can I dive? What can I do here? Uh, so they're looking. It, it's a good buddy mix, I think. Mm-hmm. Who's diving where? I'm just moving to the state. Where's a good place to go diving? We can't answer all the questions, but since we've got 850, 900 people facilitating that, yeah, uh, that's a lot of good input. Yep. I mean, people are asking questions. I'm having trouble equalizing. How do I, you know, make that work? You're getting a lot of tutelage from people who have been there, done that, and had the same problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, a veteran diver is a good source. I mean, that's why we call you the dive mentor. Um, uh, I mean, I was kind of thinking as we were coming up this episode, uh, that was what uh, Jim Cleman and I noticed right away was that you were great at taking the new divers and making sure that they were able to, Get into different bodies of water. I mean, because part of it is just confidence to know that you can dive in the area and what can be done, and uh, yeah, that that's that's great to have those resources. So uh, the, you
1: don't have to go deep to have a good dive. No,
0: my my. And the
1: more you dive, even in the, I mean, like I said, one inch you can drown. Yeah, yeah. Over your nose. So if you get that comfort level at ten, fifteen feet. Why not use it? My, and once you go down that thermocline, that's your next one. Get them used to. See how cold it is? Come up to three feet. Wow, it's warmer. I mean, I've had dives or I've had somebody up and their hands down or down and their hands up in the thermocline keeping their hands warm. Yeah. At Lake Cora, It's like, what?
0: Yeah. Well, some it's, many of my favorite dives are shallow dives. You, the only reason to go deep is because there's something that you need to see or experience there that you can't do shallow. But other than that, I mean, if I could do all my dives at at ten feet, I'd be happy with that. There's there, there's nothing about I don't I don't have any desire to spend all my dives at 125 or more. Uh, but if I'm going want to see a shipwreck that's unique, like uh, what's the one down there in New Buffalo? Muskegon. No, nah, I'm thinking the what was the the not Hennepin. Uh, Hines. Oh, I'll I'll think of it later on. Yeah, great for a podcast not to know the name of the wreck. Uh, but there's 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 one down there that was recently discovered about ten years ago. With well, a mask still stepped. Uh. Oh wow. The Hume. Hume, that's it, Thomas Hume.
1: That's not a shallow wreck.
0: No, that's what I'm saying. That would be one that I would say, that's that's one of the the wrecks where I've been going. You know what? I need to get the technical, a little bit more technical training to go and do that one because I want to see that. Right. Uh, but you
1: got to have a reason to go deep.
0: Yeah, but I wouldn't just go and say I'm am a daredevil. I just want to go and <laughs> do deco. You know, who wants to hang in a line for an hour? Read a, read a soggy wet novel or something as you're doing your deco obligation uh, well,
1: we're a little different too I think if you're saltwater and you're in where your visibility is increased
0: yeah well, if you you're can
1: go deeper because uh, the comfort level if you're down 90 feet and you can look up and see the boat oh yeah psychologically it's totally different than if you're 90 feet down and you can see 15 feet above you yeah total different environment.
0: Well, when, psychologically, when I was down in Mexico, there was warnings on many of the wrecks. Was that this is a deep wreck? They said that people would go out from the shore, they would snorkel, they would see this wreck, get their scuba gear, and then dive down to it. And the wreck's at 210 feet. You know, if you're if you're thinking that because you can see it, it's at 80 or 90, yeah, yeah, you're just not prepared for how deep you have to go. So there was all, there's, there's a, quite a few that were people got in trouble or we've, we've over the years, we've done those articles and it's been somebody doing a dive on a wall, drift dive along a wall. Yeah. And before they know it, they're down at 130 feet. If you didn't plan for the air consumption at that depths before you realize that you've used up all your air.
1: Right. And not watching your gear or your pressure gauge.
0: And here, let me kick Discord again. Darn it! I I may have to. I I like the idea of Discord being in there. I may have to use a different tool. I just cannot handle uh, <laughs> that it it goes object object. Uh, so here we've got uh, Derek and Eric in the chat room, and like I said, the chat room's got better conversations than we do. Uh, 150 feet to the dirt, great wreck. I'm not sure what he was talking about there. They're talking about some doing using your oral inflators. Uh, So, back back to the diving. Um, We're seeing people doing diving all over. And and in uh, the mud club, they're talking about dives this weekend again. I think they're looking for people for Saturday and Sunday.
1: Well, Lake 16 seemed to be a nice place to go. A lot of people are going there. Oh yeah, the human up north is where Kevin and Amy are going and diving a good bit. Mm-hmm. Because that's number one. That's where the wrecks are. Yeah. All right, me. I'm a grubber. I hit the rivers and local lakes.
0: Yeah. I, I love me a good wreck dive, and I know that's not grammatically correct, but. Uh, I-, I I love a wreck. I mean to go and see a wreck. I'm not much into wreck penetration. Uh, but just to see the wreck and to see the vessel. And then there's just something about, it's like you're touching time. It's like you're bridging today to something that was 150 years ago, and you think about the people that were on it when it went down, people who had been on it, people who had maybe seen it from shore at port the week before. There's just something about relating with history that we, you know, you. We go into old buildings. You know, we've got buildings here in town, 150, 200 years old. You go into Europe, you know, and they're going 400 to 1,000 years old on a building. I, I don't know why that doesn't hit me the same as a wreck. Maybe it's because there's only been a couple dozen people on some of these wrecks.
1: And I think the wrecks, so are more entertaining back, well, when we dove wrecks 30 years ago, we didn't have zebra and quaggas. You saw a wreck. You could see it, and when you looked in the books, it looked like the books. Mm-hmm. You go nowadays, or at least five years ago, when it's infested with zebra and quagga, it disguised the whole body of the wreck, especially if it was a rubble wreck. Yeah. The Havana it looks nothing like it did 45 years ago. I mean, you, when you see a pristine dead eye on the railings, totally different than seeing one now totally engrossed in (laughs) yeah and zebra
0: it ain't the same it looks like something from a horror movie honestly you know there's a there's a a, a whole growth on it you know the alien pods that are gonna come out and suck to your face mask is what it it appears like uh I I, I bet it does Uh, I mean now when you dive a wreck there's maybe the name board that people that every diver goes down and clears the, the the muscles off of uh this, I'd like to come back this year. Gosh, i got so much going on this summer. But I need, I'd i like to get back on Max Rec. I'd like to get back on Rockaway, Havana, because I like going back year after year and see what changed. What boards have been shown that weren't there before? Yeah. Uh, what, you know, Did are, are the muscles less than they had been? Uh, can we see the cable? Can we see the anchor? Can we see, you know, what's going on? And like we talked about previous week, you know, there's a couple wrecks where, uh, the moorings have moved, you know, how, how did the moorings move? So yeah, yeah. It, it's time to get out diving. I, 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 brought, you know, I'm getting my gear organized and getting some stuff set up. It, this year is really kind of a reset year for me, unfortunately. Uh, you would think during the pandemic I'd have been able to get everything, but there's just something sucking about the pandemic. Not only did it suck, <laughs> but it just took the energy out. You know, when when really what I should have been doing is, you know, building things and getting things organized. It was just kind of like everything sat there. because, and, and the thing is, if you knew the pandemic could honestly be a year and a half, I was convinced the whole time during the pandemic that we were two weeks out from it all being done the whole time. You know, that something would have happened that it would have fizzled out because we've, we've had SARS-2 and we had what was it, MERS and there, there was a lot of these. Uh, we yeah. had the hog flu in the 70s where they tried to kill everybody. I mean, there was, there's was there been a bunch of these that have happened and it was like, what was to indicate that COVID was going to be any different? Yeah. So... Yeah, but Michigan this week, we're unlocked. No no, no restrictions unless you're a teacher in nursing homes. Uh, so go out there and get wet. I mean, that's, that's kind of been our tagline when you get to the end of the show, but that's what we got to do. Life's too short. You need to get out there and enjoy it.
1: And do it safely, of course. Yeah. Uh,
0: speaking of that, do you have a dive safety story for this week?
1: Well, actually, I do. It's called Point of No Return. Monotony turns deadly for an instructor who breaks the rules. Steve was bored. He remained thankful for the opportunity to teach people about scuba diving, but he couldn't help but feel making the same dives over and over was getting dull. He needed to do something to spice things up for his own entertainment. The two dives in his care were Divers in his care were doing fine, but they kicked up some silt on the bottom. He decided to make an object object lesson out of the situation and have them wait for the silt to clear. It would take a minute to go look at that cavern again. The diver. Steve was a 40-year-old certified dive instructor, been teaching for two years, progressed quickly up to the leadership ranks, meeting the minimum number of dives and taking the next course. Even though he stayed physically active, diving nearly every weekend during the season, he ate poorly and was overweight. The dive. Steve and his two students showed up their local lake at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. Students were working on their advanced dive certifications, and Steve had three dives planned. They started the dive to 110 feet for their deep dive experience. The dive was uneventful, but dark and cold. Steve also led his students on a brief excursion to a cavern system during the dive. The opening to the cavern started at 90 feet. During the surface interval, the two students changed their tanks, but Steve didn't. After waiting 45 minutes and logging their dives, they began their second dive at 11 AM. They planned to descend to 60 feet, but ended up settling on the bottom closer to 85 feet. The students kneeled out on the bottom and stirred up silt. Steve signaled to his students to stay put and then swam away. The students believed they were being tested, so they obediently remained in place. When Steve did not return after five minutes, one of the students swam around briefly to look for him. With no sign of Steve, the students ended the dive. They made a safety stop, as planned, before exiting the water. When the students returned to the surface, they waited 20 minutes and called for help the accident. A search team immediately began looking for Steve, but it was the next day before recovering his body. During the dive, he had ventured inside the cavern area, continuing to what would be considered a cave passage. Rescue divers found his body on the bottom between some rocks. Steve made the dive with no lines, was found out of air with a dead dive light The corner roof is death death of the drowning. Now the analysis, it's it's easy to go careless when you do the same thing over and over again. Feels like you're going on autopilot and don't really have to pay attention to what you're doing. This is exactly the point you get into trouble. In this situation, Steve's students were certified divers. They could technically take care of themselves, although we don't really know how much experience they had. Other experience level. As the instructor in the situation, his obligation was to stay with the students, see them safely through, and back to the surface of their dive. Instructors are taught specific methods and techniques on how to teach the class. The standards are essentially set in stone. Violating those standards is a sure way to get in trouble. Accidents don't happen every time somebody violates a standard, but, but they do, and when they do, the instructor's libel. It's likely the instructor's liability insurance would decline to cover the cost of an accident. Steve violated standards on the first dive by taking untrained, unprepared students into a cavern system. Now, a cavern system or cave is no more than 130 linear feet from the surface, and you can always see the outside light. Even then, divers each carry primary and backup light when entering a cavern system, giving them three light sources. Cavern divers also secure a line to the outside of the cave system and take them with them so they can find their way out, even though they should be able to see the light of the entry point. Steve didn't do any of that. Often caverns extend deeper into the cave systems and when they go beyond that 130 linear feet of direct line of sight, They should have had certain items like redundant lights, a reel, a secure line to find your way back out. There's no way to understand why Steve did not change tanks between the dive. He might have been destructed and forgotten to do so. If he forgot to, didn't he look at his pressure gauge any time during his dive? There is no one dedicated to help the instructor perform a buddy check. It's also possible Steve chose not to switch out the tanks on purpose. Often instructors use significantly less air than their students, given them the ability to do, dive, to do two dives on a single tank and save money on tank fills. Considering the depth of the first dive by the miscalculations of the second dive, this was a mistake, you know, a dangerous mistake. Even though the students were certified divers, leaving them on the bottom in the silt while he swam away to revisit a cavern system was a mistake and serious violation of dive standards, not to mention common sense. Entering the cave alone with nearly an empty tank, no cave reel, and only one light dispels disaster for, uh, for Steve. Lessons for life. Do not enter a cave or cavern system or any overhead environment without the proper equipment and training. Perform a buddy check to make sure you're ready for the dive. Instructors, don't get lax with teaching and your teaching standards. Those rules are put in place for a reason. If you're bored, do something to charge up your routine. Make time for some pleasure dives to remind yourself why you love the sport. Just don't get careless with students.
0: All good points. So
1: it, it's beyond me why he would not have did not look at his air gauge.
0: That's something you, you've got to do to to me. If I'm not, I, I check it too often. And there'll be every moment. And it usually happens when you see something. You know, there's something about seeing like if you went down to look at an item or you found something interesting you weren't expecting. And that takes your focus. And after a few seconds on that focus, it's kind of like that little sense in the back of your mind saying, what's your air? Yeah. <laughs> and and you look and you're like, oh, well, that's, where, that's where I thought it should be. And there's nothing scarier when you look and you're expecting to see 1,500 pounds and you see 800. And you're like, well, what happened there?
1: And depend on your depth.
0: Yeah, what, what did I do? Is it because I'm too deep? Is it because I've got a leak? Is it yeah. because I was distracted that long? Uh,
1: some some sometimes that's why we have to be careful because we do a lot of shallow work. Yeah, we can get a by. We can get by, and we do in fact mm-hmm. by waiting to surface till 500 pounds. Yeah, because we're talking 20 feet
0: Yeah. Well, in, or there's times when we're grubbing near the shore. You can stand up, and you're out of the water.
1: Right. And or where we have emptied a tank in the dive for that same reason that we're working five, eight feet and yeah. we're on the shore side we want to be, we've exhausted the tank.
0: Yeah. But
1: will that get us in trouble on a wreck dive? Oh certainly. Not me, I'll guarantee you. I am cognizant of my freaking air every time I get in the water on a wreck dive. Yeah.
0: But but if you I, but if your if your goal is to breathe out a tank on a wreck dive. But my
1: goal on a wreck dive is not to do that.
0: No. No, that's, that's why I come up with 1,000 pounds at least. Well, depending on the wreck. I mean, if I'm on uh, Ann Arbor number 5 or Ironsides and we're down at 120 feet or uh, what's that in meters, 30 meters or so, uh, I know I don't have a lot of time on there. So by the time you get down, you're you should already be thinking about coming up.
1: And by the other token on those, I never, and I don't believe you ever dive it without a bailout.
0: No. No, I, I don't. Early on, I did dives without a bailout at that depth, uh, and I, I, you had to make up with extra time. But that, that extra time doesn't make up for you have a catastrophic event. I mean, if you have a free flow, and if, if you get you get a plan for the worst, if you're down at 125 feet and you have a free flow, you're going to be challenged to get up and not be in trouble. Yeah, and that's what that bailout gives you. That bailout gives you a, a little bit of cushion to be able to handle that that event.
1: And a buddy. Yeah, having a buddy there who's got air, who doesn't have a free flow, who probably has a bailout same as you do. You know, you've got air to get to the surface.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and think about that. You if you're diving with a buddy. You really need to be. You need to be thinking. Not only do I have a reserve air for myself, but for him. If you go a little bit extra, thinking that you're gonna, well, I I know I've got this. Yeah. You got a plan for what if his doesn't go through? I mean,
1: I I can I can remember dive is doing something stupid like that yeah. up at the Mackinac, wreck dive deeper than a hundred feet mm-hmm. with a bailout. Diving with two people I do not know. They got separated or I got separated from them. I'm looking for them, cannot find them. I go to the anchor rope or the rope back to the surface and I'm waiting. And I've got a thousand pounds. And I'm waiting (laughs) and they don't show up. Now, I still got my bailout to go, but when I surfaced, I basically didn't have any air in the tank because wow. I had my bailout. They're on the freaking boat. They're in the aft end of the boat, decided they had enough time, and did a free ascent without the lo- the rope. Yeah. And it's like, it would have been nice to know that, that they were going to do something like yeah. that. Well,
0: and and I think about that. There are times where we're diving on wrecks, and we're pretty much a collection of solo divers on a lot of stuff. But I do try to look for somebody who's down there when I'm going up, because maybe we dove solo and we're all going each direction. But when I see him, I'm going to signal saying, I am going up.
1: Oh, Um, yeah, I always make sure somebody knows where I'm at. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Because a lot of times, you know, I frequently am diving with Bob and Kurt. And uh, yeah. And, and what makes it even tougher is you got Bob, who's a rebreather, who yeah. he goes down first, comes up last. Um, and then and, yeah. and
1: we've talked about that. How yeah. do you track a rebreather when everybody's on the surface?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that about the only time I've been scared for another diver is not knowing where a rebreather diver is. And we had talked about before the dive how long he was going to be down. And he went that and then some.
1: And you had no surface bubbles.
0: No, you, you can't track. I mean, uh, you know, our open circuit divers, I'm like, okay, where there he is. You know, if he's breathing, he's alive. Yeah. Yeah. If, you know, when, when, you, when you die <laughs> and there's no bubbles coming up, then, well, I mean, I guess you could have bubbles coming up and be dead, but. Typically, I, you can tell by the bubble pattern that that's a respiratory breathe-in-breathe-out pattern coming up. But that rebreather diver, you know, unless he's f- diving with a flag or floating something up, we don't know.
1: The other item I think most of us do, though, even when we do the Havana, good of visibility. I always have a line Yes. from the anchor line to the wreck and wherever I go on the wreck. And more likely than not, I'll turn around and Kurt would be on my aft, you know, my six, because he's just mm-hmm. like me. He wants to know where do I get back to that wreck if I'm doing a perimeter yeah. check.
0: Yeah, and that's that's not a weakness. That's just it's 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 more comfortable. Oh, no. It's a safety thing. If you've got a, a line back to the anchor, you're you, that's improved quality of dive. That lets oh. you go and see what you want to see and know that you can use. A reasonable amount of air and get back to that line going up,
1: and even on max rock I do that because you can kick the silt up on that really quick. just like when Bob anchors on it; he puts that extra, he puts a strobe at 10 feet off the bottom of the line. That's a great strobe. Put the extra tank with Mm -hmm. the regulator. You know, at 70 feet, that's that's a godsend having that there all the time. Oh yeah. Even though it's 70, I still take my baby take my baby barrel out. Mm
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That that that's that. I I love that wreck when we throw the uh, the eighty down there in the bottom for anybody. So we've got that tank there in the line. Uh, Bob with his uh, when you dive with Bob on his boat, he's got a strobe that he puts down with the anchor. So uh, you've got that. That's just a nice little. It's like a little security blanket, you know, snuggle blanket there. Uh, You know, just a little. You can see it in the back of your mind. And Max wreck usually. It's not the biggest wreck, uh, but I have dove on it two or three times. Or you cannot see more than five feet. Uh, yeah. I have done a free ascent on Max wreck twice, <laughs> to work, Uh because I couldn't find my way back to the line, which is saying something on that on that vessel. Uh, yeah, I'm anxious to get sure. back out to that one again.
1: How many times have you been on your boat, though? And everybody's up, everybody's done, and the anchor snagged. Who goes down to get the anchor and how much air do they have? I, Generally, it's they take a leftover tank, mm-hmm. go straight down there to get the anchor and come back. Yep. Now, is that the safest thing we should be doing? Because we've all done it.
0: Um, I mean, probably not the safest, but it depends how much air. If there's 1,000 pounds in that tank and we're going down 70 feet, it 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 depends on the person. It's like okay, it snagged, so you already know that that anchor is in a situation. So it meant that it's caught up in something. If yeah. you if you can trust the person going down, and they look at it and they go, I'm going to sacrifice the anchor, because it's it's all you want to do. Because because where it can happen, you get a little bit of surface current, you get a little bit of breeze going, you got some wave action. You've now really wedged that Danforth anchor yeah. into the yeah. wreck. A single diver is not going to get that up. So if you're going down looking and going, you know what, it's staying there. Where yeah, the, you
1: got to know when to say no.
0: Yeah. If if you go down and then decide that I am going to he man that or he woman that, and try and get that out, that's when trouble is coming to you, and right. you could be a statistic. So. Uh, that's where that comes into play. But I think yep. I would not have, if I know, I because because there, there, mode one is inspection, just to be able to say, hey, yeah, it's caught up. And then you have to intelligently, with some experience, know that I can get that done. So I would not put a rookie down there. And uh, just because it's a partially used tank doesn't mean you, you, you can't follow the rule of thirds and have your safety margin for coming up.
1: Yeah, the other aspect is, you can always leave it down there because you know where it's at. Yeah, And it ain't going nowhere. Yeah, it's until the next Everybody guy comes and picks it
0: session. up, and then, and then usually it's a it's a hazing thing where they'll be harassing you, going, "Oh, you gotta look at this anchor." Yeah. I mean, the, how many people in the dive club have anchor gardens? So, if you, <laughs> even if you even if you can't find it, you can usually beg for an anchor off one of your fellow dive buddies.
1: I have fifteen anchors in the <laughs> hangar, Fifteen. Yeah. I've been giving them away.
0: Yeah. Anchors. I mean, it's kind of like a, it's, it's a joke. I mean, we've, there are anchors we have found. I didn't even know those were a type of anchors. And then how many anchors we have, which are, you know, electric motors or cement pails. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing what people turn into anchors. (laughs) That we don't bring them up anymore. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, that's a good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, So do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here?
1: Uh, Nope. We did have the first Mud Club meeting in person this month, which was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had really good attendance. Uh, We were able to have, if you wanted it, separation because we did it in the lobby of the Benton Harbor Airport, which was really large and open and good ventilation, uh, which was nice having. We are now in the process of debating on T-shirts. Uh, Karen uh, yeah. took the, the helm on that one, and we've got some to look at and uh, to say, okay, this is what we want to do. We want to modify it. Then that will be brought before the board, and we're going to have some new T-shirts.
0: Yeah. yeah. Thank thank you to Karen for, for oh, doing big that. Big time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I agree with the comments. I like the design because what she did, she got with somebody who doesn't know the club Who's, yep. who's got a t-shirt shirt store and the design. I do think the design's a little busy. Uh, it's kind of hard to look at it because I think with a, a nice t-shirt design, because I want something, it's like flying the colors. Yeah. It's like
1: that's what you,
0: you've got the logo on the front. If somebody's walking behind you, they're like, oh, what what are you doing? That's what it should be. And it had a little too many fonts, a little too many colors. Uh I can appreciate the, the wreck, but I think John's – was it John or maybe Kevin's uh, last comment was, you know, just just do the, the information around it and have the diver. I mean, that's
1: – Yeah, I think Ted mentioned that, and so did uh, Jim. He said if we take the shipwreck, mm-hmm. either leave the shipwreck or the diver, one or the other, but don't have them both. Yeah, yeah. It's, it got too busy.
0: It's hard to tell. And they tried to stylize it because we've got the design – uh, you can pull from the website or from the Facebook page. I mean, it's yeah. the, there's really that logo. And they had stylized it, which is a, which it's nice to see somebody took some effort, you know, if you're going to make some money out. Yes. Selling us t T-shirt. They went and kind of did a stylized design of what they did. But, yeah, it's it's a little much. Uh, sometimes less is more.
1: Yep. I think that'll work out, so we should have those coming. Then if we can work on getting some new hats, because uh, yeah. we definitely need them.
0: Well, hats are the tough one because they're 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 expensive, and please no white, as a guy who's dirty. And I'm, yeah, you know, a white hat. Who who can wear a
1: white hat? I have a white hat. I use it for dress when we go to the dive shows. Well,
0: right, yeah,
1: that's the only time. And you know, it's not going to be on the boat. Yeah, It ain't going to be out there when I'm cutting the grass. Yeah,
0: here here, let me show you. This is my favorite dive hat and whoops, let me get in front of the camera here and it is you can see there i can't i can't wear it anymore i mean there's there's (laughs) there's stuff in there Looks like your suit yeah it's like my dive suit this is my favorite hat i and look at it it it's it's a dive flag and you probably can't see it in the camera but right up here it says uh you know uh scuba diver I mean, that's all I want. You know, somebody sees no. me wearing that out. They know I'm a scuba diver and it just it keeps my head from burning because I've got this, you know, all this luscious mane that uh, can't survive any other way. Uh, that That's what I want. And the same thing for the dive club. If I had something I could wear more than once, if you do white, because here's what I do is I got it on my head. Uh, I got a white bill. You know, what what have my hands been doing all all day and I go touch the hat, and now there's a big fingerprint. It's done. You know, and the same thing with tennis shoes. I, you see people walking around in white tennis shoes. I'm like, what is that about? Are you advertising that you do no functional work in your life? <laughs>
1: hey, as soon as you mow the lawn with it, it's green. Come on.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, I've got a pair of uh, – So so here's my current dilemma is that my lawn mowing shoes hurt my feet to the point to where they're almost crippling. But my next worst pair of tennis shoes are too clean to wear mowing the lawn.
1: <laughs> so
0: I, I I usually, I like migrate them down. And I, I, I haven't done it yet, but I need to.
1: Now, this is a thing that's going to lead you in your diving stuff, you know. You know you need to do something, yet you're failing to do that when you know that's the right choice. Yep. Trash yeah. the shoes, buddy. The trash, trash the shoes. shoes.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe I'll post it on uh, Facebook. I'll I'll do the Darren uh, lawn mowing shoes. And have much? And by
1: there. the way, your your suit, as porous as it is, <laughs> would be adequate for lake diving, or at least Michi- Lake Michigan or yeah, in the shallows. Yeah, it, it the, the normal plane's about fifteen feet right now.
0: You you know that dive? I bought that wetsuit. On my first dive, I think I bought that before I did my first dive. Did I wear a wetsuit? I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was my third dive, but that is how long I've had that that wetsuit. Now I've dove, I probably dove as many dry suit dives in a dry suit as I have in the wetsuit, but yeah, it it should be replaced. But it still it keeps me warm when the water temperature's 75. <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't
1: know how you do that.
0: I don't. Yeah. I, well, uh, gosh, it's been pre-pandemic, but I dove without a wetsuit on the clay banks down there off New Buffalo. And I thought I wouldn't be able to do that, but I, it, it was one of those, and long-term listeners, long-time listeners have probably heard that story, but that was a case of, You know, I left my fins, my boots. I mean, I left just about. Yeah, I guess I had my tanks and my BC is about all I had. But I went dove on that, and even in July in Lake Michigan, you know, you get below that thermocline, it's a little chilly.
1: Now, not to not to pick on you here, but I have a diver gear checkoff I use every time before I do a dive
0: there there was no... isn't
1: that part of pre-planning to do your dive correctly yeah does there have a list like that to go through you're setting yourself up for failure somewhere down the road.
0: Well, i have the i have the, the checkoff list before i go do a dive i just didn't have it forgetting my gear uh, <laughs> yeah well kind of like the podcast i need i need one for the podcast because you know here here i was all day getting everything all ready and uh it's functional. I got the desk. I got everything. Uh, more to come. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, again, if you can do the Patreon, click go on our website. Uh, click on the Patreon link. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, you know, Now that the pandemic is, is getting over with, we, we got more opportunity, more things to do. Watch the YouTube channel. If you can... Even if you listen to the podcast, take some time, go to the YouTube, give us a like, help us out there, uh, subscribe. Um, cause that's kind of where, you know, we're, we we have to transition. We're not going to stop doing the podcast. We're going to keep making pot- content that is for a podcast, but we're also going to have content that's specific to video. And we really need to make that transition. I think that's where, what we kind of need to do, uh, there are people who want single topics, focused topic instead of what we do in the podcast. And we're going to start doing that uh, coming up here. So, and we appreciate you. I mean, 500 episodes, we wouldn't have done 500 if we didn't have people listening, you know, as as much as this is therapeutic and I enjoy it. um, it, There's other things I can do. I don't, I don't need to do this, but uh, we certainly appreciate, we thank every one of our listeners for enjoying it and we know that's changed over time the funny thing about the podcast is that we have more listeners when it's winter and then you can't get out right and in the winter uh we can have a couple thousand people on an episode so you know as much as i like this to be a larger number i think this is pretty reasonable i think most people lie about their numbers so this is you know, you, what you're seeing here is some of the real numbers that we have. Uh, you know, it's saying 445 listeners to the last episode over 28 days. Well, it's not over 28 days. We just released the episode earlier this week. So we usually have a 1,000 listeners within the first uh, week, uh, 2,000 listeners within the first month. Uh, you know, all episodes downloaded over the 28 days, you know, the 5,000, the back Content is a big driver to the podcast. A lot of people listen to that content. I've heard from many people who they may not listen every week, but when they go on a dive trip, they'll turn us on in some of the other podcast episodes. In fact, that's something I need to do is review the other podcast episodes. There's a lot of podcasts that have just started up in the last two years, and some of them are pretty good. I haven't heard them, but people I trust who have listened to them have said they're good. I just don't have time. (laughs) I got time to do this, and then some of the critical business-related stuff. But uh, uh, you know, yeah. So there's some of it. But what I what I really like when I go, let's take a look at analytics, is just from where all our listeners are throughout the world. So let's take a look at the locations. And I am going to go in here.
1: I'm going to let you continue that. I'll be right back.
0: Okay, no problem. So I am going to go in here. And and unfortunately, it looks a little bit better when I view I'm, I've got this cropped down for streaming. But, here, you know, here's the audiences. United States, and this is from the last episode. Uh, you know, we've got the United States is number one. Australia, then Canada, and then UK. So English-speaking Ireland, which is also English-speaking. China, I'm kind of surprised to see them up at the top. We have uh, Slovenia, Sweden, Denmark, and Netherlands. Uh, Germany, unknown. You know know who you are, but we don't. Uh, France, South America, New Zealand, Switzerland, Thailand, Greece, Romania, Italy. Let's see, we'll throw a few more in here. Uh, Italy, Malta, Taiwan, Trinidad and Tobago, Slovenia, India, Spain, Estonia, Belgium, United Arab Emirates, Norway, uh, Malaysia, Argentina, Singapore, Colombia, Russia, Japan, Bosnia Herz Herzegovina, Ukraine, Indonesia. Let's see, do we got some more here? no, yep, that that's the end, and that's for just just this last episode. So thank you very much. You're certainly appreciated. We you know wherever you're listening um, has been great. and we hope that you know if it's not me or or and Mac, uh, maybe it's somebody else we'll 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 do a dread pirates and we'll try and keep the podcast going. So as long as you are listening and you're supporting the show. Uh, we'll try to make sure that somebody's still doing this. Uh, and we'll see you on the other side because uh, probably by the time you hear this episode, we'll be on a different platform. And we'll see what tools they have for us to do new things. So, I'm back. you're back.
1: Sorry about not, that.
0: Not a problem. I mean, things like that happen. Let me. Uh, Get a drink of our non-branded big box retailer beverage. And then uh, while we were doing this, I see that uh, Eric had to go. So good night, Eric. Thank you for listening. We have Eric there. Um, We've had some other of our regulars have been pretty busy with work. So Uh, they're not in. Oh, and then something before we get on. Do you see that, Mac? Right there. Yes, I do. There it is. Looks
1: iridescent.
0: Yeah. So. Um, and then and then also, if you've got any dive videos, um, I'm running out of my stock footage, Mac. Do you have any dive videos?
1: Uh yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been meaning to send you some.
0: Yeah, if you could send me one or two, because I'm I'm kind of reslicing some of the same ones, and and. It's kind of gonna be an Easter egg because i I only I show them at the beginning of the at the end of the episodes uh and i I need some for for four ninety nine and $500. five hundred four ninety nine I'm gonna be editing tomorrow. 500 I might do over the weekend or maybe even tomorrow since i've I'm off again tomorrow. <laughs> I'll go ahead and do it uh, so I'm stalling yeah I really wish we had done something so we're gonna do a virtual 500 episode with something a little bit more exciting. Uh, What's that? What's what's the chat room saying now? Uh, These are dumpling squid making babies. Is that? Oh, okay. God, we're trying to get that NC-17 rating, I think, is what we're going for. Uh, Tell your kids are just hugging each other and being really friendly.
1: We went. We went to the zoo. Yeah, oh. there at uh, Michigan City. Yeah, and uh, it, you know it was during the summer. My wife and I, looked around, and all the kids seemed to really amazed at the, the two turtles, <laughs> <laughs> and they were quite active. <laughs> and the teacher was trying to not explain to them what was going on cuz you're talking really elementary kids way down first second third maybe well and
0: the, and the problem is is all the farm kids know exactly what's going on and they're explaining it to the other ones yeah. <laughs> and the teachers like I just don't need anybody to tell a parent about this <laughs> it's like this did not happen it's not here well let's see if we can uh... Now, we've, we've called this the bad scuba joke. It's not so scuba. It's moderately bad. So let's see what we can get out of this. Are you ready, Mac?
1: I'm sitting down.
0: Let's see. Nope, not that one. Not that one. Okay, here we go. A scuba diver on a mountain trip falls down a crack. His wife calls after him. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you hurt? No. Not a scratch? How come? I'm not done falling yet. Yeah.
1: It's pretty calm.
0: Yeah. Let me see.
1: Well, it doesn't hurt to do that sudden stop.
0: Yeah. and So here's one. And, and you being a military man, you may appreciate this one. I managed to lose my rifle while I was in the Army. I had to pay $855 to cover the loss. I'm starting to understand why Navy captains go down with the ship.
1: <laughs> Could you
0: imagine? <laughs> well, let me see here you know, as I tap on a calculator. That'll be $3.2 billion, please. Uh, yeah. A wife goes to, the, to consult a psychiatrist about her husband. My husband is acting so weird. He drinks his coffee in the morning and then he goes and eats the mug. He only leaves the handle. The psychiatrist says, well, yes, that is weird. The handle's the best part. So is that a good one, or do we need to go on another one?
1: You probably need to end it on something a little less chewy.
0: Chewy? Well, I'm going to say this one's probably not chewy, but I won't say any better. Little Red Riding Hood walks alone in the deep dark woods. Chudgely hears rustling in the thick brush. Cautiously, she moves the branches aside and finds herself facing the big bad wolf. Oh, big bad wolf. Why do you have such huge red eyes? Go away, I'm crapping.
1: (laughs) I don't think that was any better. That was
0: any better? Let me see. (laughs) I really didn't screen these too well. Hey, 500 episodes. You should know better. Uh a husband and wife are having dinner at a nice restaurant. The woman drops some tomato sauce on her white top and says, oh, no, I look like a pig. The man nods. He also dropped some tomato sauce on your shirt. <laughs> oh, I th- do I need another one?
1: No, Grace, we need. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> here's one. Okay. So this may be the last one for me, whether it's the last one for the podcast. Uh, My girlfriend asked me to tell her all my previous girlfriends chronologically from beginning to end. Okay, I probably should have finished when I got to her name.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I think Captain Obvious would agree with that. (laughs)
0: Is that 500 worthy? Is that really? Do I need to? I, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of where we go. No, I can't do that one. Um, Mr. Smith, doctor, do you remember the strengthening solution you prescribed to me yesterday? Yes. What's the matter? I would like to use it, but I can't open the bottle. Uh, no, no, probably not that one. Oh, <laughs> here's one. I, I don't know if it's worthy of ending on, but it's funny. Uh, Daddy, what's an alcoholic? Well, do you see those four trees, son? An alcoholic would see eight trees. Um, Dad, there's only two trees.
1: We should stop while we're ahead. Are we
0: ahead? I'm not sure. Okay. I I don't know how I'm going to edit this one. So until next time, go out there and get wet.
1: And stay safe.